All right, welcome in episode 129 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Coach's Corner, the number one sports bar in all of Savannah, and our title sponsor here on HGP. Check them out online at www.coaches.net. There you can find the menu, all the basic information about coaches, but also the rundown of concerts that they have there in the Sound Garden. So that's www.coaches.net. Uh, in person at 3016 East Victory Drive, or if you want to call ahead your order, it's 912-352-2933. Tell John Henderson, the owner, that Hot Grits Podcast sent you. Tell your bartender or server that the Hot Grits Podcast sent you, and they will hook it up on that final bill for you. Monday through Friday, lunch specials. Um, also, the Coach's Corner Sports Network. Uh, the OG, Brandon Bain, Rubbin' and Grubbin', every Wednesday night at 6 p.m., on the Coach's Corner Facebook page. And then also there on the Coach's Corner Facebook page, Carl DeMossi every Saturday morning, bringing you everything local sports, getting you caught up on the week that was with interviews, highlights, clips, all that good stuff. So check them out as well. Also, who is on First Base Baseball podcast with Carl DeMossi and Kyle Lawson? The 19th hole with the Herb Brothers. Herb Brothers. Uh, Once a year uh, for Masters Week, Uh, You can find those archived shows on YouTube. I think it's um, Masters Savannah YouTube. So check them out as well. And also check out Coach's Corner, the number one sports bar, your place for college football. This season, they got 100 million TVs over there at Coach's Corner at 3016 East Victory Drive. So check them out in person. Go like their Facebook page, Coach's Corner, our title sponsor here on HGP. Go check them out and tell them HGP sent you. All right, let's get after it for a 129th time. Hot Grits Podcast. Ain't nobody gonna this your boy I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. Ain't nobody gonna rip like You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking the heat or something. Yeah. Him right in the face. Pokes a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, You over there. All right, let's start things off and talk a little Braves baseball um, before we get to some other stuff on this show today, episode 129. Um, For those wondering where Spencer is, more on that later in the episode. Um, I'll update kind of where we are on that, but just me again today. Um, And maybe I'm bringing the Braves good luck. Maybe I'm bringing them good luck. They've won 8 of 10. They won 13 of 15. And they took the series against the Mets and the Astros this past week. I think unquestionably the toughest homestand of the season. And the Braves passed that test with flying colors. They're four games back of the Metropolitan still. So, you know, they're not, they haven't overcome the deficit that they created for themselves by starting off so slow. But I think everything that you see from the Braves right now, Braves fans can be happy about. And it's like we said a couple of weeks ago when, when we're saying, don't panic. Don't panic about the Braves just because the Mets beat them, because the Mets are really good. And the fact that the Braves are still four games back after winning 8 of 10, after winning 13 of 15, that tells you how good the Mets are. But look, the Braves have a plus 117 run differential. That's pretty damn good. They got a 99.9% chance to make the playoffs, so I like those odds. 9.4% chance to win 
the World Series. So on the field, they're in a good place. Okay, so on the field, they're doing just fine. Off the field, there was some news this weekend, this last week, uh, concerning Marcelo Zuna. It seems to be the number one topic in Braves country right now, and for good reason. Uh, there's a lot not to like about Marcelo Zuna. Um, so, but I, I want to kind of talk about what, you know, what the Braves' plan is with him. I don't know if any of us know, but we can speculate as to what might ha- happen. But first, I wanted you guys to hear some of this audio from Marcelo Zuna's DUI arrest. This is the body cam audio from uh, Gwinnett County Police, I believe. Um, so it's about two minutes long. Uh, the, the whole video, the whole traffic stop was almost 40 minutes long. So obviously I'm not going to, you know, this is an audio experience. I'm not going to play that whole thing for you. But here's two minutes of what Marcelo Zuna sounded like when he was pulled over and eventually booked into Gwinnett County Jail for a DUI. You got anything to drink tonight? No. No alcohol? No. You know, you, you know um, I'm fine, my man. You good? Who's, who's riding with you? Yeah. Who's in the car with you? My guy. All right. So you been drinking? You know I mean? No. So I can smell alcohol in the car. Really? Yeah. No. You had anything to drink tonight? Yeah, but right. I'm what, fine. What'd you have? Eh? What have you had to drink? Just beer, a couple of beers. Yeah. No, we, we win today and we just kind of celebrate. What kind of beers are you drinking? Presidente. Presidente? Yeah. How many did you have? Like three, three, four. You feel like you're safe to drive? Yeah, I'm good, my so, man. What? Sorry. I mean, hey, you don't need to apologize. All, all, of my, all of my friends, seriously, all of my friends is around there. So what, what what were you coming here for? This place is closed. No, we we go we go uh, we uh, went to the after party. Altagama? Yeah. I got you. Okay. Look, hey, I just want to make sure you're safe to drive, man. That's hey, all it is. Hey, if we am drunk, I know I not drive. I, I do. So like you don't it. feel like you're impaired no, in any no, way? No, okay. No. Hey. Well, what I'm gonna do is make sure. All right. Hey. What's your name? Pool. Hey, my name is Ozuna. I know. I see that. But hey, listen, man, I'm just making hey, sure you're safe to drive. Hey, if we if we if we am not African drive. I do it like this Listen, to my man. friends. All right, just let me talk to you for a second, all right? Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Is there any reason you were speeding on this road? I had to get up to over 80 hey, to catch up to you. Hey, look, look, you, you know what? The the light is about to, like, like yellow. I passed so, you way back towards the other end, man. I had to turn really? around. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, You're uh, moving. I'm, I'm sorry for all right. that. Do me a favor real quick. Same with your feet together like this. Yeah. All right, hands by your side, all right? Yeah. Can you see the tip of this pen? Yeah. The blue light, right? Yeah. All I want you to do is follow this with your eyes, okay? Leave your head still. All right. You understand? Yeah. Right. Watch the blue light. Look yeah, at... I saw it. You can see it? Yeah, I saw it. All right. Leave your head still. Yeah, I saw it. Watch the light, man. I saw the light. I saw the light. I saw the light. Listen, look at the light. Don't look at it. Oh, the... I have to look at the light? Yes, okay. sir. Yeah. Okay. Do you see the blue light? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Don't move your head. Just follow it with your eyes. Okay. All right, so that audio is not great as far as the way Marcelo Zuna comes off there. Um, it, you know, I think it sort of nipped in the bud, the thought that, well, we don't know what his blood alcohol content was. We don't know how many drinks he had. Um, because I do think, look, DUI's bad regardless, but it does sort of matter a little bit, it, you know, if he's barely over the legal drinking limit. I think that changes the storyline a little bit. But, I, you know, from the sounds of it, from the looks of it, that's not the case. Um, you know, it's almost 4 a.m. by the time he's booked into jail. So you're wondering what he's doing out that late ahead of a game. You know, the following day, and not to mention they're playing the Houston Astros. So it's not like, 
you know, it wasn't a big series. Um, it's also not like he's hitting, and that's the first thing I want to talk about. Let's not pretend, okay, let's not pretend like we are some sort of moral arbiters for the Atlanta Braves. If Marcelo Zuna was hitting, if he was playing well, we wouldn't care about this. Period, point blank. Now, it's different when you have domestic violence. That's a different type of animal, okay? But Marcelo Zuna getting a DUI doesn't lead Braves country to call for his immediate, immediate release, for cutting him immediately, for eating $41 million that he's owed. None of that happens after his DUI arrest if he's hitting. So that needs to be just clear off the rip, and I think a lot of people understand that. But the fact that he's hitting 213, 262, 391, that's his slash line, 213, 262, 391, that's a major reason why people want him to get cut. Okay, they, They're not a fan of the DUI, sure, but they're, they're even more frustrated with the fact that he can't hit. And like, obviously, I vouched for Marcelo Zuna in the, in the past because I felt... He was hitting the ball hard. The metrics said that he would come out of it, whatever he was in. That hasn't been the case. He's been pretty bad all year, but he does have 20 homers. So if there is a silver lining at the end of all this, it's that. But still, I think it would be safe to assume that his days in Atlanta are numbered. And I would assume when the roster expands to 28 men on September 1st, the Marcelo Zuna might not be a part of that 28-man roster. Because you think about it, you're probably going to have 14 guys, 14 non-pitchers. 14 non-pitchers on the roster, maybe 15. But more like 14, probably. And he just doesn't slot into one of those spots. But the problem is, what are you going to do with him? The problem is, what are you going to do with Marcelo Zuna in the meantime? But also, what are you going to do about that money? And, you know, you can't have him sit on the bench and take up a roster spot if you're not going to play him. Okay, he doesn't need to play every day. That was the case way before he got the DUI. Remember, he didn't play four days in a row before the DUI ever happened. So he was already being phased out. So as he's being phased out, he gets the DUI. Then he doesn't play Friday. He doesn't play Saturday. For some reason, Brian Snicker chose on the final day of a homestand to play Marcelo Zuna in left field or to play Marcelo Zuna in the lineup on Sunday. And, you know, that, and he did play left field. Ronald Acuna DH'd Eddie Rosario to the bench. What Brian Snicker said was that there was, you know, worry about Eddie Rosario's hamstring, some sort of injury. And that was the reason why Marcelo Zuna had to play. Now, I get it that Snicker doesn't want to have the dead spot on the roster. You can't just have a guy taking up space, literally and figuratively, uh, in the dugout, but he's not going to contribute at all. He's not even an option. That can't happen. But if you're going to play Marcelo Zuna, why not wait till Monday in Pittsburgh? Why not wait for the six-game road trip that the Braves are heading on right now? Three versus the Pirates. Three versus the Cardinals. Um, Why not wait... For then, why would you play him in front of the hometown crowd on Sunday if it were so dire uh, that Ronald Acuna played DH? Then put Eddie Rosario out there. 
if Eddie Rosario's injury is too much for him to play the field, which it seems like it might be for the time being because he's DHing Monday night or he DH'd Monday night in Pittsburgh, then play Ronald Acuna and leave Marcelo Azuna out the lineup. You can you can give Rosario his day off on Monday. You can move Ronald Acuna to DH on Monday and play Ozuna in Pittsburgh where nobody's going to be at the game. Nobody cares about Marcelo Ozuna in Pittsburgh. So that was, to me, strange. Why would you play him when there's only one day left until you hit the road? If you're going to play Marcelo Ozuna, boy, the road seems like a great place to do it. And you can't hide a guy better than, than you can in Pittsburgh. I mean, in Pittsburgh, that might as well be Timbuktu. It's the middle of nowhere in terms of Major League Baseball markets because they're so bad. And the market itself obviously isn't going to be, it's not Yankee Stadium. Okay, they're not going to be all over Marcelo Zuna for his DUI in Gwinnett County. I don't think Pittsburgh cares too much about that. So that to me was strange. If you're going to play him, play him after you hit the road. Don't play him at home. Obviously, the fans are going to boo him. Obviously, the fans are going to boo him when he's in the lineup. And by the way, when we're talking about Eddie Rosario as if he's some great upgrade, over Marcelo Zuna, that's simply not the case. Eddie Rosario, his slash line, 187, 239, 313. So he's hitting for a lower average than Marcelo Zuna. He gets on base at a lower clip than Marcelo Zuna. And he slugs at a lower rate than Marcelo Zuna. So objectively, Eddie Rosario has been worse than Marcelo Zuna this season. There is no debate about that, period. So let's not pretend like the, the, the Braves have left field figure out without Marcelo Zuno. Like they have some great options. Now they're, of course, Von Grissom could slot there once Ozzy Albies comes back. I understand that. Um, I understand why you wouldn't want Marcelo Zuno to be your everyday DH. I get that. Here for that. But don't pretend like Eddie Rosario is some major upgrade to Marcelo Zuno. Because right now he's not. I mean, he's just not. I think he has more upside. I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's already started to turn it around, but he's not, you know, statistically an upgrade over Marcelo Zuna. Certainly in the outfield he is defensively, but not right now at the plate. Not right now at the plate. A um, couple more stats from the Braves that I thought were interesting. They're 57-25 and 25 in night games, but they're 18-23 and 23 in day games. That's so strange. That's so strange. I don't know that you can read too much into that, but it's wild to think that they're five games below 500 in day games. A lot of those have come on Sundays. Uh, the Braves on Sundays haven't been good. They haven't been good the last game of a series, which is another prime time for day games. But I just thought that was interesting. 18 and 23 in day games this season. Um, Charlie Morton, big truck. He's starting to come around. Six and five with a 3.99 ERA. Uh, it's the first time that his ERA has been below four in a long time. So he's starting to pick it up. His last five starts, 3.26 ERA. That's real nice. I think the Braves right now it's a pretty obvious one, two, three as far as playoffs go. You go Max Fried, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton. That's your top three. Um, and where the Braves sit today, they would take on. The Philadelphia Phillies in that wild card series, that would be all of the games would be in Atlanta for that. I think it's a two out of three. 
series. So right now, that's where the Braves sit at the top of the wild card. I think they're six and a half games up from being out of the wild card completely. Um, and they're at least five games up, I believe, on the Phillies. As the Braves sit 75 and 48, they got three versus the Pirates coming up, three versus the Cardinals coming up. So that Cardinals series will be interesting. Um, the Braves could potentially see the Cardinals in the playoffs if things shake out a different way. Um, they, the Braves have been really, really good against the NL Central, not only this season, but you know, over the last few seasons, the Braves have been really good against that division. That's Cardinals, Pirates, Brewers, Cubs. Um, I might be missing somebody. Reds. Cardinals, Pirates, Brewers, Cubs, Reds. The Braves have been really good against that division. Now, granted, that division's been pretty bad. The NL Central has, outside of the Cardinals and the Brewers, last year, and even the Brewers this year, um, have been solid, and they're still chasing a playoff spot. Uh, along with the Phillies, the Padres, um, and I guess maybe the Giants, if you want to include the Giants um, in that wild card hunt. Uh, the Braves, 32-22 and 22 against the NL East, so that number has improved. We talked about that last week or last episode. We talked about how they haven't been great against the NL East, um, but now that number is starting to pick up because they're beating up on teams that they should beat up on. Um, they definitely should beat up on the Pirates. Uh, and like I say, if you're playing the Cardinals this weekend, it should be a good opportunity uh, for Atlanta to test itself against one of the playoff teams. You just beat the Astros in a series. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're one of the best teams in baseball. You just beat the Mets in a series. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're one of the best teams in baseball. So now let's see if the Braves can take care of business against a team that they're clearly better than in Pittsburgh. Because it's that, that Pirates series is sandwiched right in between three of the biggest series of the second half. Mets, Astros, Cardinals. So if there was ever a letdown series opportunity, this would be it. Hopefully the Braves can take care of business. Um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, Jake Odorizzi uh, had a good start Monday night because he hasn't been good so far with Atlanta. Uh, as they continue to wait on Mike Soroka to come back, he's two rehab starts in now and has looked, by all accounts, really, really good. Uh, Ian Anderson, so-so, and his first start down there, in Triple A, so the Braves have options there at the back of the rotation, but if they can get one of those guys to step up and really lead them down the stretch, boy, it seems like you can do a lot with Spencer Strider. You can do a lot with Spencer Strider if you have the rotation figured out, at least one through three, possibly one through four. Uh, come playoff time, he'd be a nice piece to have that you don't have to use in the rotation. So I like where the Braves are at right now. I like where they're at right now, and they have, um, you know, they have a good opportunity in front of them with Pittsburgh this week, then an off day on Thursday, uh, and then three with the Cardinals. So plenty to like about this team moving forward, and hopefully they will continue to play well, um, continue to monitor that Marcelo Zuna situation. You know, it's easy to say, cut them, DFA them, eat the $41 million. Well, that's because it's not your $41 million. And also, if you want the Braves to eat that money, keep in mind there's still a big-time contract out there that they need to get worked out with Dansby Swanson. So, you know, you can't speak out of one side of your mouth and say, eat the $40 million, and then say they have to re-sign Dansby. 
Okay, you're either going to understand that this is a business and there's money involved, or you're not. If you think the Braves should eat to $40 million and cut Marcelo Zuna today, that's fine. That's a perfectly reasonable take. But you cannot then also say they had better re-sign Dansby. They better get it done. They better sign him. They can't let him walk like they did Freddie Freeman. Well, then maybe sometimes you have to make concessions somewhere else when it comes to money. So like, it's difficult. I get it. It's difficult, but that's the situation the Braves are in. Alex Anthopoulos has been really good when it comes to making these decisions. I would say Marcelo Zuna has been a flop. That wasn't a great contract. Uh, Cole Hamels, that wasn't a great contract. That was $18 million wasted. But other than that, I don't know that there's been a signing that you could point at and be like, well, this was a clear mistake by Alex Anthopoulos. Not every GM is going to hit 1,000. No GM is going to hit 1,000. Um, so I think Anthopoulos gets a pass, but it'll be interesting to see what he does with Ozuna because you can't leave Snicker in that spot where he is forced to play a guy that nobody wants him to play. You don't want to leave Brian Snicker in that spot. I got to give a shout out to Snicker, though. He finally got ejected from a game. We've been waiting for over a year. I think it was April of 2021, the last time he got ejected. Um, but they called young, handsome Babe Ruth. They called Austin Riley out on a check swing, questionable strike call. Uh, and Snicker got tossed. They lost that game. So that's not great for my take. But um, I can adjust that take. Since he got thrown out of that game, Snicker, the Braves won three or four. They won three of the next four games. So that counts for something. All right, we're going to touch on some other stuff, some Georgia football stuff as the AP poll has come out. Tour championship uh, this weekend at Eastlake for the PGA Tour. But first, John Carr, the number one realtor in the world and our sponsor here on Hot Grits Podcast. Call him or text him today if you have any questions about real estate in the area, whether you're trying to buy a house or sell a house. John Carr is your guy. He's 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. Or you can find him in person at 7505 Waters Avenue. John Carr Realtor, the number one realtor in the world and our guy here on the Hot Grits Podcast. Tell him we sent you and he'll hook it up for you. Again, if you just want to learn more about the market, if you're not selling or buying right now, but you just want to learn more about maybe what some of your options are, John Carr's your guy. He knows the area like the back of his hand, born and raised in Savannah, um, and also top five confirmed nicest guys in the world. So call him or text him today. Tell him we sent you, 912-228-0916. All right, let's talk a little college football here. The AP team came out this week. Uh, came out on Monday, the Associated Press All-America team. Georgia has three first-team members and one second-team member. Uh, the first team is Brock Bowers, Jalen Carter, the D-tackle, and then Keely Ringo, the cornerback. Nolan Smith on the second team as a senior. It's interesting, uh, of Georgia's four AP All-Americans preseason, which is pretty solid. I think Alabama has six. Uh, Georgia with four on there. Brock Bowers, sophomore. Jalen Carter, junior. Keely Ringo, sophomore. So of their first teamers, that's two sophomores and one junior. That's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good if you have 
two underclassmen on the All-American team, and one of them a junior, Jalen Carter, who has the ability to come back next year. Now, he's likely a pro guy. He's likely not coming back, depending on the kind of season he has. But for me, that's pretty outstanding that you, that you have three of your four All-Americans in the preseason have the ability to come back to Athens next year. Um, that, don't, that, you know, that bodes well for the program. That bodes well for Georgia. Uh, right now, as I record this Monday evening, Georgia is minus 17. They're a 17-point favorite for September 3rd against Oregon, um, right there in Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That's a scary number. Uh, A scarier number is the over-under, and that's 52 total points. Because as you'll remember, infamously, last year, I was all about the over on Georgia Clemson. I was all about the over, and it was right there at 52 points, the same number that that currently sits at. Uh, Georgia ended up winning that game 10-3 over Clemson, so I missed... That over by about 35 points, no big deal. No big deal. That's even more than 35, actually. Not a math guy. Um, I won't be touching the over-under this year on Oregon. You can bet that. Take that to the house. Take that to the bank. I'm not betting over-under Georgia. But I, I don't know about 17. That's a big number. That's a big number. I expect Georgia to win and win handily. I don't know about 17 points, though. I mean, Oregon's ranked in the top 15 in the country in most every poll. Some polls have them in the top 10. So for Georgia to be a 17-point favorite is is wild. All right, speaking of wild, the Tour Championship this weekend for the PGA Tour in Atlanta at the Eastlake Golf Club. Savannah's own Brian Harmon will start one under. Uh, He's the number 25 out of 30 rank uh, you know, in the final field, but the the thing that's weird about this tournament, and it's been a few years now since they've done this, but it's still strange to me that Scotty Scheffler, who will be the one seed essentially um, in the PGA Tour Championship at Eastlake, he'll start ten under. So Thursday before he ever tees off, he'll be nine strokes ahead of Brian Harmon, who is isn't even the thirtieth. Guy, there's a group of people at even, and then Brian Harmon is in that next tier at one under. Uh, I guess it's, I get what the PGA Tour tries to do. This isn't it, though. This isn't solving the problem that they've had with making the playoffs matter. Um, What they're trying to do is establish whoever wins at Eastlake wins the PGA Tour championship. And I get that because it used to be where a guy would win at Eastlake, but rarely, if ever, was he the winner at Eastlake for the tournament and then also the winner of the PGA Tour Championship. And so I understand what they're trying to do, but it's still just strange to me. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make everything leading up to the Tour Championship more important. It, It does for those 30 players, but for the fans, it's not making it more exciting in the build-up to it. So I don't know that it's achieving what it necessarily was setting out to achieve. All right, a quick word on the Atlanta Hawks before we get to my conversation with Brandon Bain of Rubbin' and Grubbin'. Um, it was reported by Shams Sharina. I don't know how, how you pronounce his last name. Shams Sharina. I think everyone knows who he is, first name only. 
Uh, Shams reported that the Hawks had offered, within the last month or so, that the Hawks had offered John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and a future first-round pick for Kevin Durant. And if you'll remember, Spencer and I talked about this when it was happening, and we speculated that it would be Collins, Hunter, and several first-round picks. And even that wouldn't be enough, we thought. Turns out that the Hawks didn't even offer that. And that offer, Collins, Hunter, and one future first-round pick, I'd have to believe that that's nowhere near enough for the Hawks to even tempt the Brooklyn Nets to trading Kevin Durant to Atlanta. That would be so awesome. That would be so awesome if that actually happened for the Hawks. Um, And that would be the time usually when Spencer would take over and go on a 12-minute rant about the Hawks, about Travis Schlink, probably a little bit about Chris Kirshner and Hawks Twitter. Um, But obviously Spencer's not here. An update on that situation. Spencer and I did talk last week after the episode, um, and he basically told me what he wanted as far as what we had originally been arguing about. Spencer said that he he wasn't going to come back to the podcast unless that happened, unless that thing that he wants to happen happened. Um, And basically, the ball was in my court, essentially, um, for him to come back on the podcast. I told him I would think about it and let him know. I'm still currently thinking about it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm not, I'm not sure that I've progressed any further since we talked. Uh, let's see, it was Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. Uh, I don't know that I've come any closer to deciding on what's right or what's not. Um, but I know this, to be very, very clear about this, Spencer's welcome back on Hot Chris Podcast as soon as he's ready. So I know that I've been basically given not an ultimatum, but something, you know, I guess that would be a decent word for it because essentially Spencer's saying if he doesn't get this, he's not coming back. And that to me is a holdout. It's like a contract holdout uh, in the NFL. It's, it's a tough spot for me to be in as the host and also as his co-host, also as his best friend. Like it's a weird spot for me to be in. Because I don't know who I'm responsible to. You know what I mean? I don't know who who I should listen to or what I should do. And it's not... I don't think it's something that's worthy of being... I think it's something that's worthy of spending more than six or seven days thinking about. And so in the meantime, I guess I'll do it on my own. But to be very clear, I'm I'm not preventing Spencer from coming on the podcast at all. It's his choice to not record every week um, for three weeks in a row now. That's his choice. So there's nothing I'm doing that's stopping him from from joining me on the podcast that we started together. Um, but I think, I don't know if his you know requests are fair or not. I don't know if I'm in a position to even judge that. But I know that it's not an easy decision for me, so I'm not going to make it you know, too quick just because there's another episode of Hot Grits coming up. It's better with Spencer on it. You know, I don't know if anyone else feels that way. I think they do, and I know I do. To me, that's really all that matters because that's the only way I can make decisions because essentially I'm speaking into the void. I don't know. You know, I don't have instant feedback 
And when Spencer's here, he can give me instant feedback and we can feed off of each other. When he's not here, I'm left guessing. But the show goes on. And the show will go on with me talking to Brandon Bain of Rubbin' and Grubbin' up next. Um, a little listener's note, Brandon and I had planned on going much longer than we ended up going, but storms on Monday night caused us to kind of cut it short. So we're going to get him back on and we're going to go way more in depth than we did, but it was worth adding to the end of this episode. It's about 16, 17 minutes, I think, of him and I talking. So at the end, it gets cut off a little bit. But we'll jump straight into the outro music after that, and we'll see you guys for episode 130. A word from a sponsor, and then we'll jump to my conversation with Brandon Bain of Rubbin' and Grubbin'. See you guys on episode 130 next week. The Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports news one way or another for 20 plus years. Where can you find stories and information about the most outstanding student-athletes in the Savannah area? PrepSportsReport.com. That's where. Led by our guy Carl DeMossi and former area sports reporter Stephen Weeks, the Prep Sports Report is a reimagined website that wants to celebrate young men and women who are setting the high school sports standard in Savannah and surrounding areas. Go check out PrepSportsReport.com today. Go like Prep Sports Report on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV. PrepSportsReport.com, your number one source for local Savannah High School sports news. All right, we got Brandon Bain with us now. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Been wanting to have him on for a while from Rubbin' and Grubbin', the original Coach's Corner Sports Network show. Brandon, thanks for joining me, man. Oh, yeah, man. Travis, hey, glad to be a part of it, brother. What's up, man? Glad to be on Hot Grits, man. Yeah, you should feel you should feel honored, man. I I should I should feel honored, man. This is a high privilege, man. It's a uh, not not a uh, very often you got somebody on here, man, out, outside of uh, you and Spencer, man. So I am I'm very honored, man. This is an awesome awesome deal right here. Well, look, our listeners know about your show, Rubbin' and Grubbin', um, but I wanted to ask you sort of how you originally started doing the show and how, because, you know, we started watching whenever Spencer and I joined up with Coach's Corner, but you'd been doing it long before that. How did it originally come about that you were going to do a NASCAR show with Coach's Corner? Yeah. So, um, funny story, man. I mean, we, uh, you know, we all come out there, you know, like I know it's all a camaraderie. It's a family, man. I mean, Coach's Corner really honestly is a family. Uh, John and Adele Henderson are, are two great people that allow us to do a lot of good things up there. And, uh, you know, we, we're in on a little NASCAR fantasy type thing we do every week. And, uh, you know, a buddy of mine was like, Hey man, you want to do a show up here every week? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, started out with me and Dan folds and, uh, you know, Dan had some, uh, financial opportunities come into play and kind of, kind of got out of it uh, a couple years into. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's just an awesome opportunity. Um, uh, you know, not only to get to talk about a sport I love in NASCAR and, and all the things that come along with it and, and the great thing that NASCAR is, but uh, also, man, we get to raise a lot of good money for charities and, and local, you know, things in our community, man. And that's that's one thing I love about coaches is it's always uh, 
family, friends, and all staying local, man. So everything we do up there is is all local. And, uh, you know, my NASCAR has been my ish. I mean, I, since four years old, I've, I've always gone and watched. And uh, outside of college football, I mean, that's my favorite sport. Man. Well, so you started, but you started with a co-host too, with Dan. So I, I guess I need to ask you some advice on, on how you transitioned into a solo show. How, how did you how did you deal with that at first? Like, was it hard for you to go from doing it with another person to doing it solo? Yeah, yeah, man. It, um, you know, it started out really good. Uh, the basis of my show was, uh, you know, we had a guy that was just trying to learn, um, you know, about NASCAR and didn't really know anything about it. And, of course, I've been watching from, you know, a young kid in, into now, right? So four years old and I'm 38. So a lot of years of, of knowledge of just watching the sport. So, um, the basis of my show was like, Hey, I'm trying to teach a guy new things and, uh, went good for a couple of years, you know, and, um, Dan Folds had, had a, uh, financial, you know, kind of adventure he went on, um, and doing really good. Uh, by the way, like I said, if you guys are looking for a good time out here towards the beach, uh, Island boat shuttles, always, man, you can catch them up. Dan Folds, make sure you call them, let them know that, uh, Atlanta man Bane sent you over there to him. But, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, he went on to doing, doing his own thing and, um, I'm kind of doing the show solo. So, um, yeah, it's a big transition, man. When you go from having that other side, that's always got a different opinion or in my show, honestly, not knowing any better, just kind of asking you questions. So it's always easy to come back with that. Um, and now that I find myself by myself, it's it's more of like a, a, a news broadcast, if you will, right? So it's like I'm breaking down what happened in the sport, you know, kind of giving my opinion on it, asking for opinions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very good, man. And, and there again, huge shout out to John and Dale Henderson. I mean, um, I'm very honored to have that first show on coaches sports network. Um, and you know, to, to be honest, Carl DeMossi has been doing this for a very long time up there at coaches. And if you guys haven't yet, make sure you go check that out. You know, Carl sports report every Saturday up there at coaches, uh, nine to ten thirty. but, uh, just, a, just an honor to be part of it, man. I mean, that's what, that's what it boils down to just an honor to be part of it um coaches sports network is one thing uh it's all family oriented i think if you're in good with coaches you're in good um with some really good folks man it's just a family we all watch out for each other and and we all piggyback and uh do a lot of things and help support all the causes that we're all about man that's ultimately that's what it's about for me is uh you know that brotherhood and that friendship man so did you always do it even when dan was with you did you always do it um, from like live from coach's corner. Yeah. Yeah. We always did our show live. So that's a, that's a little different. Um, it, it is very, uh, different when you're, when you're live in front of that camera and have it filmed. So we've always done it live. Um, and, and that's one thing it, it's kind of weird for me. I'm not, a. I don't ever have a conversation. I don't know a stranger, right? Like I can always uh, make friends anywhere I go, but when, when the camera's on and, and things and the pressure's kind of on you, it kind of makes you in a different world. Um, which it took me a little bit to get used to, but, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, um, you know, with his things that he has in his future and what's going on with him and the business aspect of it, I totally understand it. Um, you know, so at the end of the day for me, it was never a question of, um, you know, Hey, this and that, it was just kind of like, Hey man, you, you got things to do. That's cool. Um, 
for me, it, 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 you're giving me an opportunity to talk about a sport that I love, um, drink cold beer and have a good time up there with my buddies at coaches. Um, but also we get to raise, uh, you know, money for charities, man. I mean, honestly, for me, that's what it was all about. Um, as, as we all live our lives and, and the things that we do, but to be able to give back to the community that you grew up in and where you come from and what you live in, uh, to be able to give back to that is pretty much what it means to me, man. That's the, that's the biggest part of my show that I do is just to be able to get back and raise money. Um, that all stays local right here in the Savannah area. Yeah. And I think our listeners will, will remember the help save one of our own, um, charities like that we did the bowling match for and we got a, a golf match also planned too so like I think we all know how much John and Adele do for the community and how much well and how integral they are since they've been there since 1991 um, but hey I wanted to ask you so I think one of the interesting parts about doing the show live at Coach's Corner is is you know for the most part the people that are watching are watching on YouTube or watching after the fact, like after, you know, it's already been done, maybe later that night or the next day or the day after even. But, but sometimes every now and then there's people that are feeling pretty good at happy hour up there Wednesday nights at coach's corner and they'll start interacting with you while you're trying to do the show. And I think you have an amazing ability to, to kind of interact with them and then shut it off. Whereas some people like that's hard to do sometimes when someone is like trying to talk to you while you're talking to the camera. Do you have any like crazy memories of like the first couple of times you dealt with that? Oh yeah. I mean, man, you know, I mean, you know, Sean up there, I mean, that's a, a huge Kyle yeah. Bush fan. And, and if you ever watch my show at rubbing and grubbing, um, you know, I'm not a big Kyle Bush fan, right? Like I, it's an amazing talent in the sport of NASCAR. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this man is doing things and setting records is it's going to go down the record books as one of the greatest ever. Right. So, um, but he's a huge, huge Kyle Bush fan. He dresses up like Kyle Bush, you know, walk on my show from here and here and here and there. And, um, just other folks, you know, it, it, it is really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, I'm here to do the show. Like I got an agenda, like I'm going to stick to the, stick to the game plan. Right. So, um, I always like to interact, obviously, anytime you get an interaction of like live feedback of somebody asking a question or, um, you know, kind of going back and forth with you about a, a topic, of course, you always want to address that, especially when it's live, um, being filmed. Um, so I, I always do that. I always try to, you know, address that, uh, forefront, but yeah, man, it's a, it's hard to shake. It really is. It's a totally different aspect of, uh, recording, um, you know, on the radio and then turning around and, and doing it live where you're filmed, um, compared to recording. Uh, it, it really is. I mean, you always have a lot of things going on and it hasn't always been a coaches where I come in and it's like, Hey man, you've got it and you've got the audience and you do it. Um, there's other things going on there while I do my show. Um, but John and Adele have always opened the doors and, and I tell you what, man, I can't speak highly enough about, uh, just the camaraderie at coach's corner and especially on coach's sports network with, you know, the hot grits podcast and Carl DeMossi and, uh, you know, obviously rubbing and grubbing everything that we do, um, for coaches, uh, it, that wouldn't be possible without John and Adele, man. So it's, it's, it's a great 
feel good to give back to the community and, and talk about something that you really passionate about and you love about um, and you have love for. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it's very difficult at times, man, when, when you're live and, and, you know, there's 900 voices going on and you've got this one thing to go for. So it is very difficult, man. Yeah. And I like uh, people that have watched your show know about the, uh, the word of the week or whatever, like the, the, that producer Lawrence flashes up there. So that's one of my oh, favorite yeah. parts of it. Word, word of the day, yeah, man. Yeah, word yeah, of the word, day. Word of the day. If you play along, if you play along, man, next time out of ten, you're gonna r- get ripped up, man. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, uh, like I said, man. What, what, one of my best things that I love about Coach's Corner is, man. I mean, hell, I can talk NASCAR and drink cold beer at the same time. Okay, so as far as like the NASCAR world goes, obviously that's what your show revolves around. What is the and look hand up? I'm not a big NASCAR fan. I think most people know that that listen to our show. But so tell me what what's the biggest story in NASCAR right now? I'm not sure if they're even in season, but like what's the biggest story or debate or thing going on in NASCAR right now? Yeah, so I think you got a uh, you got two big storylines coming in, man. I mean, the biggest one in NASCAR for us right now is like trying to figure out what Kyle Busch is going to do, right? I mean. If you watch my show or you listen to me, I'm not a big Kyle Busch fan, right? Like, I, I'm, I've kind of grown up on a pedigree of I like the guys that handle themselves very reserved, right? Like, that you're, you're in a money sport. You're in a sponsor sport, right? Like, NASCAR is the biggest sponsor sport. This sport would not go around without sponsors. So, um, whatever it takes to make your sponsors happy is what you got to do. Kyle Busch is one of those guys that's always going to speak his mind. I respect him for that. Um, It's just not my cup of tea. But two-time champion, 60-plus wins in the Cup Series, and trying to figure out where you're going to have a ride next year, right? He's been a driver of Joe Gibbs for uh, most of his career. Um, you know, outside he was, he started out with Hendrick and, um, you know, kind of got released from Hendrick and went on to, uh, Joe Gibbs and made his career there. I mean, it's a two-time champion. So one of the biggest names in the sport, um, kind of looking out to go, where do you go next year? What's the ride? Who's going to pay me the money? What sponsorship do I have? Um, that's the biggest question now. And outside of that, uh, it's just the, the playoff bubble. Um, it's one thing I've talked about on my show for the last couple of weeks, um, I the way the sport sits right now with the point playoff system that we have, kind of your win, you're in. Um, when you go back and look at it, you got a guy in Ryan Blaney and, and Martin Trix Jr. that are sitting right there, 16, the top 16 make the next round to run for a championship. And you have two guys that are inside the top six in points. Um, but based on the point system and the way NASCAR runs as far as the win and you're in, um, Martin Truex is on the outside looking in, and Ryan Blaney, winless other than the all-star race, is kind of sitting there in 15th, and they're, you know, 20, 30 points apart. Um, So that's the biggest thing. I think it's something that NASCAR really has to take a look at after this season and go, you know, I I think you should award a win. Don't get me wrong. I think winning in the sport today means more now than it means ever. Um, The competition is way tighter. Uh, You don't have – you know, five guys that go out and can run and win every week, you've got 20. Um, so I think it's something that NASCAR has to look at to go, hey, a win means something, but it means something in the playoffs. Uh, let's let's award those wins in the playoffs, not the regular season. I think it's a, a travesty in a way when you have 
guys and drivers that are sitting inside the top five um, that could possibly miss the playoffs to run for a championship. I really think it is something. But those are the two biggest uh, you know, storylines in the sport. I mean, none bigger than trying to figure out what Kyle Busch is going to do next year. I think that's what everybody's trying to get their head around. Um, in my eyes, I think it's something that we're going to have to wait on till the off season. I don't think it's going to happen in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be announced here coming up anytime soon. I think it's something that we're going to watch a lot of guys re-sign contracts, make moves, figure out who's where and what they're doing um, before you ever see Kyle Busch sign. But I will say this, uh, it will be a travesty uh, if it comes down and it will really hurt the sport. If you watch a two-time champion with 60 plus wins in the cup series alone, um, not catch a ride at a major organization, uh, it will be a really big deal, man. It, it, it it's, you know, I don't think people understand in NASCAR, we look at it kind of as a sport, right? And we look at it as baseball and football contracts and the multi-million dollars um, that these athletes make. NASCAR is is not that right now. We're kind of on the incline. Um, we're doing very good as a sport. We're building it kind of back up to what it was in in my younger youth of the mid-90s and late 90s, early 2000s. Um, we're building there. But I think that if we um, don't have those opportunities through sponsorship, and there again, this is the biggest sponsor sport, period. It's not like a baseball thing where you have an organization that has millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to be able to sign contracts to go, hey, you play for the Braves, and I'm going to pay you this out of this. That's not how NASCAR right. works. NASCAR works. Um, we have organizations that spend hundreds of millions of dollars to make the world go around and give you the best equipment. Um, but those sponsorships are really what makes it go. So um, when you see Chase Elliott with Napa or Hooters and you see, um, you know, the, you know, Athlax, you know, a DuPont sponsorship or a Bass Pro, uh, those sponsorship pump in a lot of millions of dollars a year for a driver to sponsor that race team, um, not exactly to the driver, but that team itself. So I think it's something that, um, you know, it, people got to get a concept about, especially in where we're at in the world today and the economics that are going on. Um, you know, you got to have a sponsor that's willing to pump, you know, tens of millions of dollars into a driver to go, hey, I'll sponsor you 36, you know, 38 weeks out of the year. I mean, NASCAR is one of those sports. A lot of folks I know we start in February, we end in November. So they have, you know, December and January off. And, and a lot of those times those drivers are doing testing. Those drivers are out um, doing different things, you know, whether it be promos, whether it be fan appearances, whatever it may be. So the, the you know, off season for NASCAR is say six weeks probably. Um, compared to a lot of other major, you know, stick and ball sports that we go, hey, we're off three months, four months, and we, we come back at
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two Ds, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561.